You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Welcome you to our fourth lesson, our fourth and final lesson in our study of Philippians. And this has been our Wednesday night church. That's soon to change for us, but we still are having Wednesday night church. But it's been a great study. Our four lessons in Philippians, this has been a great study, even though we've had to social distance while doing it. You know, if you've missed the first three lessons, I really want to encourage you, go back to them, pull that up on your podcast. This is a life-changing word on how to live in joy. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and let's get started. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now, I appeal, Eudodia and Synthony, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. (laughs) This is quite a start, but we got to see what he's saying here as he opens chapter 4. First of all, it's the same message that Paul continues all the way through chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Remember, we've been talking about this. Paul is imprisoned. He's facing being beheaded or burned upside down on a cross or maybe even fed to the lions. And in this, his thoughts are all about other people. This is the way you live in joy. This is the way you live in joy. His thoughts are on other people, not on himself. And here, as we open, he's concerned about these two women who are not getting along. Where is Paul? He's in prison, but he is getting his joy, verse 1, from others. Now, Paul had a tent-making business. That's not just for people who want to go camping on the lake for weekends. Tent-making business at his time, you would really say he's a home builder. People lived in these tents. And so Paul was a home builder. He had a business. But others... And the concern of the others was his focus. We never, we never see Paul stressing over his business. We never see his business consuming his thoughts. Paul saw his business as just one avenue for God to meet his needs, but God met his need, not his business. We got to see people. We got to see Paul loving on these people. Making others his focus, verse 1 says, stay true to the Lord. Now, he wouldn't have told us to stay true to the Lord if people were not falling away from the Lord. The tendency is to fall away from God. There's a lot to see when he says stay true to the Lord. He doesn't say if you feel like it, stay true to the Lord. He doesn't say, if it is easy, stay true to the Lord. He doesn't say, if life is going your way, stay true to the Lord. Obviously, staying true to the Lord is a personal choice that you have to make regardless of what your circumstances are at the moment. It's up to you. And it's it's a command. Stay true to the Lord. Whatever comes your way in life, stay true to the Lord. Whatever happens, you stay true to the Lord. 
Whatever questions or worries or fears you have, you stay true to the Lord. Let's read on verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. There's no mention of how uncomfortable he was. There's no mention of how miserable he was. There's no mention that he had been falsely accused, that he was lied about. And there's no really mention of how worried he is about his business and how it's making it without him. And will I ever be able to revive my business if and when I ever get out of here? No, church. This is not in theory for Paul. This is how Paul lived in joy. Our walk with the Lord is not in theory for us. This is not some religious ideology for us. Regardless of whatever life brings, we stay true to the Lord and we live in joy. Verse 6, if anyone has an excuse for worry, it certainly was Paul. Well, it's very interesting the word here used. What is worry? Verse 6, the word worry in Greek means to be pulled in different directions. What if this? What if that? What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh my, what am I going to do? That? No, no. See, that's worry. You're being pulled in different directions. Another definition that I read about worry was to strangle. Boy, that's a good one. Worry strangles the life out of a person. Worry will strangle the joy right out of you. You know, medical research shows us that worry has definite physical consequences. Headaches, neck pain, ulcers, back pain. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You know, one's thinking is affected by worry. Medical studies show us that your digestion is affected by worry. My goodness, the headaches, the back pain, the ulcers, the the neck pain, the stress, all because of worry. You can't just tell yourself to stop worrying. That that won't ever work. Oh, I got to stop worrying. I got to stop worrying. You're not going to stop worrying by telling yourself to stop worrying. The only way to stop worrying is you walk in confidence. The only way to stop worrying is you walk in security. God's got this. I am confident. God has my life in His hand. When you get confident of your relationship with the Lord, when you get confident of God's care for you, then worry will leave you. Verse 7, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You experience God's peace, When you get secure and confident in Him, worry leaves and God's peace then guards your heart and mind. You can experience the peace of God if you'll get confident in God and then worry will be replaced by your confidence and your security. Now let's look at this. If we're going to conquer worry and we're going to experience joy, we have to do three things. Follow with me in your Bible. Verse 6 and 7, you have to pray right. Right praying. Verse 8, right thinking. The end of verse 8, right living. All right, let's look at this. 
Verse 6, Paul doesn't say pray about it, period. There are two things in right praying. Number one, you tell God all you need. But then number two, you thank God for all that He has done. And if you pray right, you have to do both of those things. You have to tell God what you need, but you also have to thank God for all He has done. You know, when your prayer consists only of telling God what you need, your focus is on you and it's not on God. See, all your prayer is consumed with is telling God what you need, what you want Him to do. You are the focus of your prayer. But when you begin to thank God for what He has already done, then you move your focus from you and your need. You move your focus to God. All He's done for you. See, faith is built in your heart because then your focus is on God. Now, if you're going to pray right, first of all, you tell Him what you need. But secondly, you have to thank God for what He's already done. Don't you consume your prayer with just telling God everything you need. I I remember in Luke 17 that 10 were healed. Boy, they all took off rejoicing. They were all excited. There was only one that came back to say thank you. We make a big mistake when our prayer time is not consistent of, God, I thank you. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you have done for me. Isaiah 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. We've got to thank God for what he's done, not only just tell him what we need him to do. Verse 8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. All right, fix your thoughts. See, Paul spells out in detail the things that we got to think about. Now, fix your thoughts on whatever is true. Wow. Survey that I once read said only 8% of the things that people worry about are legitimate. 92% of the things that people worry about are imaginary or never happen anyway. 92% of the things that you think about don't ever happen anyway. Come on, let's think about what is true, not what we are imagining in our minds. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is right. You know, people get on the phone with each other and run other people down and run things down and circumstances and second-guess people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is honorable and what is right? What is worthy of respect? The third thing, pure, lovely, of a good report. Let's think on these things. Whatever is pure, lovely, of a good report, he goes on. Whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise... Is that praiseworthy? Are you running somebody or something down? Let's read on. Verse 9. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Practice godly living. It's interesting that Doctors say they practice medicine. What does that word mean? That means that's what they do. They they do that every day. Practice godly living. Living 
in all that we have learned and received. Wow, that's what we got to do. I just think about all the sermons that I've heard, and then I go right out and I don't practice that sermon. When you hear the Word, when you read the Word and it goes in, now get up from there and go and put that into practice in your thoughts, in your mouth, in your actions. You know, and and you've heard me say this before, it really does not bother me at all when someone that is not saved, they don't know God, they don't know His Word, they live, they act, they talk like a heathen, they use in profanity, they're saying, they're doing things that, that, that are, are not right. It don't bother me when people do that because they don't know. They are a heathen and heathens talk like that. Heathens act like that. So that doesn't bother me. But, but boy, it does bother me. It bothers me when Christians who have been under the Word, who have learned and received from God, it's what Paul is saying, those things that you have learned and received... People that have learned and received things from God and then they don't go out and practice, they don't live it, they don't use it. Oh, man, come on, we we got a problem here. Come come on, man, you you graduated from a Christian school. That's not the way you want to talk. Come on, man, you're a member of a church. You go to church, you sit under the Word, that's not the attitude that you want to be walking in right now. You know, you see people out on a job site and, and, and you know they are faithful attending church and, and you just want to say, come on, man, that's not the way you want to live. That's what Paul is saying to us. Come on, put into practice what you have learned, what you have received. Verse 10, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, wherever... I've learned to be content. Now, look what he says here. I have learned. This is something that you learn. It's not something that suddenly falls on you. You ingrain it in you. You learn it. You put it into practice. You stand on it. You live by it. And I've learned to be content. How do you learn? How do you learn to be content in whatever state you're in? It's very simple. Hard to do, but simple to understand your contentment doesn't come from the state that you're in. That's how you learn to live content in whatever state. My contentment doesn't come whether I have plenty or whether I have lack, whether I got a lot of money or whether I don't have much money. I wasn't looking to that for my contentment. So you learn whatever state I'm in, I have learned to be content, and you do that by not looking at the state you're in for your contentment. Paul gets his joy from what's on the inside of him, not the things on the outside of him. And for us, that's what we have to do in our own life. There's a change that has to be made. We've got to stop looking for joy in the things that are around us. That's not where my joy comes from. That's not where my contentment comes from. My contentment comes from what's on the inside, not from what's on the outside. Verse 13 The power of Christ 
inside us. He is our strength. We're not dependent on where we are. We're dependent on who's on the inside of us. All right, let's go on verse 14. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Once again, Paul is not concerning himself with him. He said, I want you to be blessed because of this. I want this to bear rich dividends in your own life. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God, this same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. The same God. This same God. I I oftentimes hear and see people wanting to call some big-name televangelist to pray for them or... They want to get in contact with somebody who is way high up spiritually. Let me tell you, the same God, the same God that loves this guy, loves you. God is no respecter of persons. Paul said, he supplies all my needs. I've got all my needs met. And that same God is going to supply your needs. And it comes from his riches. In a finite world, we're worried about getting stuff because stuff is very limited. Okay, if you get something, then that means there's less for me to get. Our source is an infinite God. And so there is no limit to His ability and His blessings to touch your life with. So the fact that somebody else is blessed should encourage you because God is no respecter of persons. He's not running short on blessings. My life can be blessed as well. God supplies. Paul does not look to the people in Philippi. Paul does not look to a job. God supplies his need. Then we end verse 21 through 23 with final greetings as we see all the way through Philippians, others is Paul's focus. Paul begins this all through this and even to the end of it, Paul's focus is on other people. Well, we've really quickly gone through these four chapters of Philippians. It's been a very quick four-week study. But my prayer is not that we go through Philippians. My prayer is that Philippians goes through us. I want you to purpose in your heart. Purpose in your heart. Stay true to Him. We've been in this four-week study. We've looked at these four chapters But there is a wealth of knowledge and information in here. Go back. Listen to all these podcasts over and over again. Read these four chapters over and over again. This is not something to go in one ear and out the other. This is a lifestyle for us. All that we have learned, all that we have received, put into practice. Purpose in your heart today to stay true to Him. Find your joy in knowing 
who Jesus is. May God bless you in a special way and may you find your joy in Him and not in anything else. He is the source of joy for your life. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com. 